This is the message for Sunday, August 18th, 2013. What business are we in? The optometry business. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. I'm really not a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I don't get that. You need to watch more TV. (laughs) Okay. Alan, is your mic on? There you go. Okay. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Okay. So. We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, a day where we can come together and worship you and connect with others and, and hear your word found in Scripture. God, use this time to make a difference in our lives. Show us something or remind us of something that um, is really important. We thank you and we praise you today and all days. In Jesus' name, everybody gathered said, amen. The optometry business, in a nutshell, we're in the business of helping people to see more clearly. And we're in that business because Jesus is in that business. Now, Jesus literally helped people see more clearly. If you uh, have your Bibles with you, we're going to take a look at a scripture found in John chapter 9. The book of John is found in the second half of the Bible in the New Testament. If you're not a Bible reader, a great place to start is the book of John. John chapter 9, we meet a man who was blind from birth. Jesus gave him sight. Jesus healed him. Now, The trouble was is that Jesus did this on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was considered the day of rest, a day where no work should be done. So the spiritual leaders, they're called the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders had a lot of trouble with this because they thought that Jesus was working. They also grilled this former blind man and his parents repeatedly, believing that Jesus not believing that Jesus was able to do what Jesus did, claiming that Jesus was a sinner. And as such, it wasn't Jesus who healed the man, but God. They were not understanding that Jesus was the Son of God. The Jewish people were were waiting for a Messiah, but they did not connect that Jesus was the Messiah. And so they kept bugging this guy, bugging this guy, until this blind man who was able to see because Jesus healed him. Can you, can you just imagine? It's like he threw his arms up and he said, whether, or he's, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Mm. Now, I love this scripture. It's one of my favorites. Because I, I like the way the guy just keeps it simple, keeps it to the point. 
You know, when he says, I don't know all about all that stuff, all that sin stuff you're talking about. I know one thing. I was blind. Now I see. Before Jesus, I was blind. <laughs> After Jesus, I'm able to see. Hello. Just kind of like that song that was playing uh, during the offering. Um, you know, old Johnny Nash song. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, 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 sunshiny day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, Alan has been asking repeatedly to be the lead singer at the praise team. I'm just wondering why you didn't take this opportunity and go for it. Um, it wasn't going to be a bright, 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 sunshiny day if I did that. <laughs> that wouldn't be fair. Jesus is the one who brings clarity. Jesus is the one who helps us see the obstacles. <laughs> Jesus is the one who brings us through our dark days into the bright, 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 bright. I could keep saying bright, bright, sun, shiny day, S-O-N, shiny day. In fact, Jesus just doesn't bring the light Jesus Christ is the light. I'm going to say that again. Jesus just doesn't bring the light. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light that brings sunshine into our lives, no matter how cloudy they are. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't the only instance where Jesus literally brought sight to someone who was blind. He did it several times. The interesting thing is that he would do this was foretold hundreds of, year, hundreds of years before Jesus even came onto the planet. There was a prophet, a, a man who God used as his mouthpiece. That's what prophets did. They spoke for God on behalf of God. His name was Isaiah. We read about him in the first part of the Bible in the Old Testament. God had shared a vision of the future with Isaiah, a vision of one who God would send to bring God's goodness to the world. And so at the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus read the words of the prophet as a, as a proclamation as to why he had come. It, it was the Sabbath day, it was the holy day, and Jesus was, Jesus was in the synagogue, in the, in the Jewish church, so to speak, and, and they handed him, which was the custom, uh, he would be uh, the reader. They handed the reader, this day it was Jesus, the scroll to read, the day's reading. And he unrolled it, and this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, read the rest with me, and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to his attendant, and sat down. All eyes were on Jesus. The next thing he said was this. He said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, what he is saying is, I am the fulfillment. I am here. 
I am the great shepherd. I am the one who heals. I am the one to bring the good news. I am the fulfillment. Mm. But you know, Jesus went far beyond the literal when it came to helping people see clearly. Throughout his ministry, he helped people with their sight, their, uh, their insight, their foresight, their hindsight. Helping others see clearly was always a big part of his ministry, as we see when we read Matthew 7, 3 through 5. It's the New International Version. He said this, he said, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck <laughs> from your brother's eye. What a critical scripture. What a crucial scripture if we're going to be in the optometry business. You see, it's tough to see others clearly if we're not seeing so clearly ourselves. Scripture says, take the plank out of your own eye before helping a brother or a sister remove the speck from theirs. Now that speaks volumes. Seeing clearly, um, the Apostle Paul, a follower of Jesus, he speaks to this in the 13th chapter of his first letter to the church that he established in Corinth, in Greece. Here's what he writes. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So Paul knew his audience. Paul knew who he was talking to. So it was the people in Corinth. The city of Corinth was famous for mirrors. I just think that's a little bit interesting, famous for mirrors. Um, those mirrors back then were nothing like the mirrors that we're familiar with today. Back then, they hammered out metal, like copper or brass. It, they were not glass. And as such, even good mirrors did not provide a clear image. It was like a dim reflection, a vague idea of a shape or a form, not even close to the clear image that we receive today when we look in the mirror. And so Paul uses this image of these mirrors. Just imagine looking into a, maybe a shiny piece of metal as opposed to the glass mirrors we have today and how different that image would be. And he, he uses that that, um, that image of that kind of a mirror, kind of a dull mirror, to compare how unclearly we see at times, especially when it comes to seeing God and God's kingdom. And so he says, for now, in the here and now, it, it's a poor reflection, like what you're getting out of that mirror. Even those good Corinthian mirrors, it's a poor reflection. But someday, <laughs> someday we're going to come face to face clearly seeing and understanding who God is. For now, we get a little bit. Someday we'll know much, much more, and we'll see it much, much more clearly. So 1 Corinthians 13 is commonly known as the love chapter. 
Many of you might have heard portions of 1 Corinthians 14, 13. Now, before Paul gets to this mirror image, he talks about spiritual gifts, how the spiritual gift of love trumps all other spiritual gifts. I'm going to say that again. The spiritual gift of love trumps all other spiritual gifts. He says that if I speak in tongues but do not have love, I am a gong or a clanging cymbal. He writes, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries of the world and have knowledge and faith that can move mountains, but not love, I'm nothing. He goes on to say, if I give everything I have to the poor and allow my body to be burned for the faith, but I have not love, I gain nothing. And then he goes on to tell us what love is, to define it. We're going to share this fairly slowly. Maybe you've heard it before, but it's important to look at it carefully and to take it in. And if you would, read it with me, please. Love Love is patient. Love Love is kind. It It does does not envy. It does does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow. So many of you have heard that, at weddings particularly. We've talked about this scripture before, and we've also shared that the Greeks had different meanings for the word love. Like they, if they talked about romantic love, the word for love was eros. Or if they talked about brotherly or sisterly love, the word was philos, like Philadelphia the city of brotherly love. That's kind of funny, actually. But anyway, yeah. Depends on what part of Philly you're in. Um, uh, Anyway, the word um, Paul used here in that original Greek would be the word agape. Now, agape, uh, that kind of love is love that is unconditional. And that's fairly interesting for most of us because most of us have, uh, most of the time, the love we're familiar with has had some strings attached, has had some conditions. And so this concept of unconditional love is, is almost foreign in a way. It's hard for us to conceive of, but it's the kind of love that God has for us, for you and me. And it's the kind of love God would hope for, uh, that we might have for God and for one another. The kind of love that's based on a decision rather than emotion, the love that says, I'm going to love you not because I'm happy or mad with you, but because I decided that I'm going to love you regardless. That's the love Paul is describing in this letter to the church in Corinth. Paul goes on to say that there are a lot of other gifts that God gives us that will come and go. 
He says prophecies will speak, will cease, speaking in tongues will be stilled, knowledge will be passed, will pass away. What we know will pass because when the perfect comes, perfect, the perfect, the imperfect will pass away. He compares who we are now to being children. And the day will come when we mature and see things clearer, that the childish things will be left behind. And then it's at this point, it's interesting, he kind of shifts gears in a way. He's talking all this love. And then it's at this point, he talks about the mirror, that passage that we read earlier, about the mirror and about seeing a poor reflection now, yet seeing very clearly face to face at some time in the future. And he talks about knowing a little bit now, yet knowing fully in the future as we will be fully known, kind of shoved into this uh, love paragraph. And then he switches gears again and goes back to talking about love. He says basically it boils down to three things, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And, you know, we've read through this passage, gosh, I don't know how many times, because, like you say, we've, a lot of weddings we use this, and we've read through the whole passage, and I never really had noticed how that kind of shifts gears there and talks about the mirror and then comes back to the love piece. You know what I'm saying here? It's kind of like, at first it looks like it's almost just shoved in there, but you say, That's, that can't be. There's, there's a connection here. There's, there's something going on here that I have to give a little bit more thought to, and now, given thought to it, you see, God is love. We read that in 1 John. So God is love, and, and since then God is love, God sees the world then through kind of a love filter, or with what we're talking about today, through a love lens. God's love lens is what he's seeing. And that love lens then is the lens that would allow us to see things clearly as well, not in that dull reflection like those Corinthian mirrors, but see that love that he's been talking about, God's love lens would allow us to see it more clearly. And when and if we're able to see through this God's love lens, we're gonna be able to see the world more like God does, more clearly this whole kind of kingdom thing that we're talking about. So how many have been to an optometrist? Yeah, a lot of us. So, um, you know, they put this big thing in front of your face. Yeah. And then they say, this one or this one? This one or this one? Clearer or clearer? One or two? I don't know. I just want to be able to see. Isn't it like, oh my gosh. Certainly a fashion statement, isn't it? It is. Well, the love lens that we talk about today is a love lens that will help us see more clearly as God would want us to see. It's like putting God glasses on. And when we look through these God love lens, then we are no longer seeing images that are poorly mirrored, this poorly mirrored reflection, but rather we have some new eyes, mm. the eyes of Christ. And when that happens, 
we get glimpses, glimpses of God's kingdom. We get glimpses of heaven right here on earth. We can't see fully like God sees, but we do get glimpses. The closer we get to God, the more we put on our God lens, we get glimpses of what the kingdom of heaven looks like right here on earth. And it's kind of like, instead of this still photograph, it's like this panorama that God gives us. Mm. And then we have to ask the question, what do we mean by glimpses of God's kingdom, glimpses of heaven? And, and so we talk about what is heaven. And you know, near the uh, end of his life, Jesus was meeting with the disciples and he said, you know, I go to prepare a place for you. You maybe have heard that. We often share that at funerals. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, of course, I'm going to come back. So heaven is a place, but it's not a place in the sense that we think of a place. When he says go to prepare a room, I don't think it's going to look like the room you live in now, okay? It's, it's so hard. It's hard for us to fathom what this heaven thing is because throughout uh, Jesus talking always says, heaven is like, and then he has to compare it to something because we can't really understand uh, the fullness of what it is, the glory of what it is, because it's more than just a place. See, it's, it's, it's a way of living. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of relating. Heaven, God's kingdom, it's all about relationships. Relationship with God, relationship with each other, loving relationship, caring relationships. Relationships are everything in God's kingdom. The, his kingdom is where people are treated with value. God's kingdom is where people are treated with honor. It's where people are treated with respect. We treat one another. It's where living, uh, we're living out that kind of love that we talked about earlier, that Paul shared with us. And, 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 and that isn't a goal. It's a way of life. It's just how it is in God's kingdom when we fully realize that kingdom. Jesus brought that kingdom with him when he came 2,000 years ago. That's what he was talking about when we read that passage, that Isaiah passage. Jesus says, I have come to fulfill this. I am, I have brought the kingdom with me. Mm. And see, here's the thing. We're called to share that kingdom with others, to help them see more clearly to help them uh, see the world through God's love lens, if possible. But we can't help others <laughs> until we're seeing through that love lens ourselves. Amen? Remember, get the log out of your eye before we can pull the speck out of our brother's or sister's eye. And so we got to be wearing those God love lenses before we can try to help others wear those. And, and that love lens will just help us to see everything differently as we ask ourselves, am I really loving to those around me, even the unlovable? So how do we do this practically? You know, we can take a look at 1 Corinthians 13 and we can ask ourselves, am I being patient? Am I being kind? Am I uh, dishonoring others? Or have I been honoring? 
Am I proud or rude? Do I get mad easily and take that out on others? Do I have a record of wrongs that I just keep in my back pocket and get ready to whip out when the time comes? Am I, do I rejoice in love or am I kind of happy when I hear about bad stuff, evil? You know, that person's down on their luck. Well, you know, they got theirs coming. That's not what love is. Do I spend time to protect? Do I trust? Do I hope? Do I have a hopeful attitude or a hopeless attitude? When we are in Christ, Christ is hope. And so we aren't a hopeless people. We can live in the hope of Christ because the dark is never completely dark. Christ is the light. Christ is the kingdom. Christ shows us the way. Do I persevere? When the going gets rough, do I check out? Do I blame? Do I, you know, say, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Or do I say, okay, God, I know you're out there before me. I know you're behind me. I know you're all around me. Do I persevere? So open up your Bibles every night. Read 1 Corinthians 13. Do a self-inventory. And then make some changes. Repent. Say, I'm sorry, God, for behaving in ways that you don't want me to behave. Mm. It's so important. The bottom line is that love never fails. Love trumps everything. It's what it means when we put on the love lens of God. You see, it's all about loving one another. Love God, love one another. Mm. Love God, love one another. And that's what we mean when we do that. We're able to catch those glimpses of the kingdom. The more glimpses we get, it becomes a, a picture, even a panorama. You know, they, it can become more of an... <laughs> I, I get the... I'm still working on this. <laughs> still working on it. But when I, when I consciously try to see the world through God's love lens, it changes everything. It changes everything. You know, when I look at others and I try to think, oh, how does God look at this person? Wow, it, wow, it just, it's a whole different way of looking at the world and looking at each other. And, uh, you know, I, I find myself more patient, less angry, uh, less boastful, more understanding. I, uh, the one especially, and I learned this a few years ago, and sometimes I'm not good, but I learned a few years ago, especially with Carrie, because we've, We've been hanging out together for over 40 years, counting dating and being married. And the real one for that was that record of wrongs. Like you said, keep it in your back pocket. You ever do that? You might not realize, but you got it in your back pocket and you're just ready if you need it to throw it out there. Just to, that other person might do something, you're ready to, to top it, you know? Well, you did this. Well, you, September 15th, 1983 at 10.30 a.m., that's a record wrong. And you know, I'm not alone in this. <laughs> we got that baby sitting there, and just in case, you know? If you can take that and kind of tear it up, why? That changes everything. 
That changes everything, because now it's about relationship. It's about the relationship. And, and so those, those glimpses, like I said, I don't have this down right, but the, when, the times I do, and I look at my wife, my kids, my grandkids, my friends, my parishioners, neighbors, e- even the people on the street that I don't know. Wow. It, it changes everything, because that love lens of God is one powerful lens. Amen? That's a powerful lens. And if you're seeing the world through God's love lens, then people might notice because there's just something different, just something different. You see the world differently. And so uh, they might say to you, what's going on? What's different? Or they just might gravitate toward you. And if they say, what, what's going on? You can say, I'm seeing clearly now. Mm. And talk to them about what's going on in your life that you're seeing the world through God's love lens. You know, you might be singing that song, I can see clearly now, the rain is gone, yeah. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that have me blind. It's going to be a bright, 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 sunshiny day. Amen? Amen. So we're in the optometry business. But Jesus sees you with Jesus' eyes. And so we learn all this through the great optometrist, Jesus, who looks at you and says, I love you. I died for you. I forgive you. You've got grace and you've got mercy. I came so that you might have life. That's joy in the midst of all that we go through in this life, it's, a, it's tough, it's tough. But Jesus sees you and knows you from the inside out. And with that, we can rest and know that we're redeemed, we're saved, we're loved, we're cared for, so that we can put on our God lens and reflect and share God's love with others. That's the Good News Connection Church. Let's live it. Let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for loving us first so that we could love others. God, thank you for dying on the cross for us willingly so that we would, so that the end was not final, so that there's always hope. Thank you, God, that you have prepared a place for us in heaven, but that we get glimpses of heaven right here on earth. God, use us. Help us live out that love chapter to see others with your eyes. Thank you, God, for your word and for this reminder in Scripture. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7690. Connection Community Church. Connect